Welcome to BrainStuff from How Stuff Works. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Quinoa has caused quite a lot of confusion during its short tenure on the worldwide scene. Raised for thousands of years in the Andean mountain region of South America, it's only really blown up worldwide over the past decade. The United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization declared 2013 the International Year of Quinoa, giving the crop a big boost on the world stage. The declaration was intended as a way to highlight crops that were unknown or forgotten, at least to the wider world, as a way of promoting food security. But along with quinoa's rapid ascent to the top of the health food chain came news reports that local populations in Peru and Bolivia could no longer afford to buy it as the prices had doubled or tripled. But before we get into that, some basics. Quinoa, spelled Q-U-I-N-O-A, in case you've seen the word but never heard it pronounced, cooks like rice, looks sort of like couscous, and packs a serious nutritive punch. It's high in protein, contains all the essential amino acids, and is high in iron and fiber. It's eaten like a grain, but it's really more like a seed or a vegetable, and it's also gluten-free. In short, it checks a lot of boxes for folks looking to eat fewer animal products or fewer carbs. But is its mainstream popularity hurting the people who grow it? Researchers have called through years' worth of data, 2004 to 2013, from a national Peruvian survey to find out how the seemingly worldwide quinoa frenzy affected the quality of local citizens' lives. Over that period, their circumstances actually seem to have improved. We spoke via email with one of those researchers, Mark F. Bellamere, an associate professor of applied economics and director of the Center for International Food and Agricultural Policy at the University of Minnesota. He said, In most cases, we find that rising quinoa prices have modestly increased the welfare of both quinoa producers and quinoa consumers in Peru. At worst, we find a small decline in welfare in some regions, but that decline is almost nil at less than 1% of total welfare. Welfare here is defined as the value of a household's consumption expenditures. Bellamere explained, since consumption tends to be a function of income, consumption is a good proxy for income. But it's not necessarily all good news. There are a couple of concerns that could still affect the people who originally grew quinoa. Bellamere said, The first is that once the price of quinoa fell back down to its pre-2010 level, many small producers told us they were holding on to their grain in the hope that the price would spike back up. But this is highly unlikely to happen, considering that with the quinoa price spike in 2013, many new producers got into the quinoa production game, which lowered the price up probably permanently, unless there's a new spike in the international demand of quinoa. The other problem is an issue of maintaining biodiversity. Very few varieties of quinoa are exported to places like the U.S. and U.K., especially compared with the some hundred varieties grown in Peru. And so, if it's most worthwhile for producers to grow for export markets, those other local varieties might disappear forever. This phenomenon isn't good for the long-standing health of crops, and it's not a new problem. Take the banana. When I say banana, you probably think of a very particular variety of the fruit, like someone greatly enlarged and gently bent a yellow number two pencil. That's a Cavendish banana, and it's the only one many of us encounter outside of the tropics. Its popularity elbowed out other varieties, and farmers came to rely on it as a staple export, which sounds great, a right up until a fungus that affects only that variety swept in and started destroying crops. If you haven't heard, scientists are now racing to figure out a way to save it. And that's the danger of monocultures. The Irish potato blight is another example. 
That's why organizations like Biodiversity International have piloted programs to give native farmers incentives to grow the less in-demand varieties of quinoa. So, will quinoa ever wear out its welcome? It sure doesn't look that way. Where it used to be limited to health food stores and vegan restaurants, quinoa is showing up on mainstream menus now in place of rice or pasta, as part of main entrees, as breakfast cereal, or even added to soups and salads. Hopefully, with cooperation among exporters and researchers, conditions will only continue to improve for quinoa's growers and for quinoa itself. Today's episode was written by Alia Hoyt and produced by Tyler Klang for iHeartMedia and How Stuff Works. For more on this and lots of other nutritive topics, visit our home planet, howstuffworks.com. Listener.